This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. So I want to tell you about a guy named Jeremiah Hamilton. He was known as the Prince of Darkness. I just finished reading a whole ass book on him, uh, written by a historian who, as I was reading it, I was like, this person cannot be black. And he isn't, because there's certain cultural cues that you can see that this person missed in telling this story about a man. Um, and I, from the book that I read before, this book that I'm going to talk about that we're all reading this year called Black Fortunes by Shamari Wills, in the book that I read called Prince of Darkness about Jeremiah Hamilton, it talks about him uh, being taken from Africa and taken to Hispaniola, which is known as Haiti. It says the island that houses Haiti and the Dominican Republic, which is why it's so weird that people who share an island have such hatred for one another. And by people who have such hatred, I'm talking about the Dominican, Dominicans who have hatred for the Haitians. And you share an island and bloodlines. And the only difference is that the Spaniards use miscegenation as a form of conquering. So really, you were dominated through sperm, Dominican Republican people, uh, and the Haitians are still the same people that you are, except they weren't uh, infiltrated the way uh, the people on the Spanish-speaking side of the island were because the French did not use miscegenation as a form of conquering. Anyway, but you have to read up on your own about Trujillo and all those other things, and maybe I'll drop some breadcrumbs here, which I just did, that will hopefully lead you on a path to really understanding how conflicts rise, you know, and how people are taught to hate one another. It is taught. Listen, we don't come out the womb with hatred. We do not come into this earth. We don't come into this world with an inherent bias. That's taught. And it's taught through our education system. It's taught especially through our media, both visual and, and you know, through, through words, through books. Um, and during the early times in this year in, in this country, in the forming of this country called America, you know, the great deal of propaganda got disseminated primarily through newspapers and folks like Paul Revere and Israel Bissell, who went across the country spreading the quote-unquote word and through religion. Yes, the Bible has been a great purveyor of indoctrination and hatred building. Yes, not because the Bible is inherently bad, but because people use it as a weapon and a tool to destroy people. I said it. Don't at me. But you can. You can follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Anyway, so I'm talking about this guy, Jeremiah Hamilton. And this book, Black Fortunes, which is the story of the first six African Americans who escaped slavery and became millionaires, Jeremiah Hamilton was one of the richest people in New York at the time. And he was definitely one of the wealthiest black people in America. And I'm talking about the 1800s. So his story from the book that I originally read called The, the Prince of Darkness takes us from the continent of Africa to Hispaniola, where he was dropped off of a slave ship and made to work in one of the most horrific. And, and to this day, the, the slavery in Haiti is among the most brutal, torturous, horrific expressions of, of an institution that has ever been known which is why the Haitian Revolution is so powerful, because those folks didn't have anything to lose in coming together and overthrowing their uh, oppressors, right? Their captors, their enslavers. But he was dropped off there, and he recognized really early that he probably would not survive. So he faked a seizure. <laughs> he faked a seizure. And, um, and so when the ship came back, 
the, to drop off more Africans, the the uh, ship owner uh, was confronted by the person that he sold Jeremiah to, and he said, "You sold me basically, a, you know, a horrible, damaged good, and I can't use him because he can't work. He has seizures, and he's, you know, this is a, you know." So the guy took him back, gave gave the man a refund, and took Jeremiah on the ship. And so Jeremiah ended up becoming like the right hand to the sailor, to the, excuse me, the, the captain of the ship or the person that owned the ship. He became his right hand. All right. And he was really smart and good with numbers and things like that. And he became very trusted. And it's, uh, it's a long story. He became a pirate with this guy. Anyway, you got to read that book. But that's not why I'm bringing him up. I'm bringing him up because in the chapter of Black Fortunes, it talks about the night he was nearly lynched. And the reason why he was nearly lynched is because there was a draft. There was a draft of all able-bodied white men to come fight in this thing called the Civil War. And white men were mad. And they were mad at the black people because in their minds, they're being called to fight to free people that they don't like anyway, that they hate. And they were not trying to have that. And this is in New York. New York City, where there weren't, there weren't many, slavery had already been abolished. But the union was calling on these people to show up to put their lives on the line for an institution that they didn't care about and for a group of people that they hated. So uh, these are called draft riots. They were draft riots, and they weren't riots. They were acts of terror where white folks would indiscriminately pick up black people on the street and lynch them kill and brutalize them, burn down their homes. It was, it, was a, it was a period of time that we don't talk about, was never taught in my history classes in high school or in college, never heard about this until I became a, an adult and I followed some breadcrumbs. So this is not the first time I heard about the draft riots, but for many of us, why didn't we learn about this in school? Because really these are the seeds of hatred that are sown quite frequently in our country and throughout the world where one group is made to hate another group. And it goes to transcends race because we can go all the way to Rwanda where both groups, the Tutsis and the Hutus, look just alike and they're mostly cousins who hate each other. Dominican Republic and the Haitians. I mean, we can go down a list. There are groups in this country that live in close, close proximity to one another who hate one another, not because of anything that makes any damn sense, but because they were taught to hate one another. They were told, and I keep bringing up Rwanda because this is a case where it didn't take a whole lot of time for people who had lived together for centuries could over a period of time, like a few months, be taught to hate one another over simple things like height, shades of black, over the radio airwaves to the point where nearly a million people lost their lives. How is that possible in, in a rage of violence? Because it's powerful. Because I think inside of all of us, inside of all of us is a desire to be on top. Inside of all of us is a desire to be superior. Maybe, I don't know if that's the case, but I'm, I'm trying to find words to reason and rational, rationalize how people could kill one another so easily, so indiscriminately, as if these human lives don't matter, as if God didn't have a purpose and a plan for all of us. So these draft riots came about because uh, I've been called to fight for these people, not thinking that these people have been in bondage for 200 years and how horrible is that to not have your freedom and to be tortured and beaten. In New York, there is an African burial ground where there are children's bones in there, children's bones with such deformity because of the harshness of the system of slavery on children in New York. There's a whole African burial ground. So you, you think about that and you say to yourself, there before the grace of God because nobody asked to come into this world black or white 
or whatever. Because how you come into this world is not up to you, yet based on that condition alone, you are subjugated to a world, to a life that is so evil and so horrific. And yet, if someone on the other side of that is called to fight, to extricate people from that, to free them from that system of horror, instead of saying, wow, how did I live in a country that's so horrific, you're going to go kill more black people. 2020, a new year. It's the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified candidates can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to more than 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one, spotlighting the top candidates so you never miss a great match. It's so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Who are already tortured and oppressed. How interesting, but how easy is that? Because if you're a poor white, because those are the people that actually fought in the Civil War, not the wealthy aristocrats, not the wealthy landowners, not the even slave owners. They sent proxies. They sent people to fight for them. And up north, no, 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 no. It was the working class, the new immigrants, the the Italians, the Irish, the, the Germans, the folks that were just coming over trying to find a better life. Those are the ones that were charged to go fight, and they didn't like it. So they went out and killed people. And their target was, at this day, Jeremiah Hamilton. Why? Because how dare this darkie have more money than me? It's like that scene in Rosewood. How dare that N-word have a piano, even though I don't know how to play a piano. Just jealous. Hamilton was a character. I read in the other book, Prince of Darkness, that uh, he would just antagonize white people. And even, I think he married a white woman or a woman that looked white. Like, he was that guy. He didn't give a damn. And if you read his back, about his background, like he he was bold. He was bold. He was a guy that walked around with, with a black wig, straight flowing black wig. He would have the best of suits, and he had the audacity to have a home right there in the middle of whiteness. He had one of the most beautiful homes. He lived among them in New York City on, on one of the fancier blocks, right? And so, but they came. They came to his door, and they wanted to kill him. A mob stood outside his door chanting for him, to, and he was not stupid. He didn't come out there to try to fight them. Uh, homie jumped out the back window and ran, left his wife in there, which I think is despicable, but, you know, neither here nor there. Self-preservation is the first law of man. I ain't mad at Jeremiah Hamilton. He ran out the door. So when they got in, they saw his wife. They found his wife. She was left behind to, to deal with the mob that finally bolted through their door, um, and uh, it was a war zone outside, you know, with these draft draft um, lotteries and people being picked to go fight in the Civil War. But the mob, they got in, they overpowered the police, they destroyed government buildings, they lynched and crucified, crucified black citizens, destroyed black churches and orphanages. Think about destroying an orphanage. I mean, really, come on now. Uh, High-profile uh, African-Americans, black people were hunted down because they wanted to have prize kills. So Jeremiah Hamilton was on that list. 
And he was like, not today, Satan, not today. They ransacked and burned down a pharmacy that belonged to a very wealthy black man, the first black medical doctor in, in New York City, uh, James McCoon Smith. That's a breadcrumb for you guys. Like, follow that. Find out who he is, because I've never heard of him. He's not taught during Black History Month in our schools. James McCoon Smith, America's first black medical doctor. Did I say New York? America's first black medical doctor. How come we don't know that name? Why don't we know that name? Why isn't that a household name? James McCoon Smith. Okay. So when they got to uh, Hamilton's house, all of these men were outside screaming, bring the nigger out. I'm, I'm quoting, bring the nigger out. And one of his white neighbors came out and told the mob that he wasn't home. But the mob ignored him. And, uh, and they said, nigger, <laughs> bring him out. And one of the men told the neighbor, there's a nigger living there with two white women, and we're going to bring him out and hang him from the lamppost. So the men, they climbed his stoop, began slamming their shoulders into the door, and when it wouldn't give, one, because uh, let me tell you, Hamilton was rich enough. His door was made of some serious um, <laughs> material. Anyway, uh, when it wouldn't give out, the men ran around the back of the house and rammed into the basement door. And then they ran upstairs, and, they, and it was like a dozen people in this house. And then they were met by Eliza Jane, Jane Hamilton. She was tall, pale skin. Uh, she had brown hair. She wore a French braid. And she said to them very politely, what do you want? Mr. Hamilton, one man said, we're going to kill him, another one said. And she said, why? And they said, revenge, revenge. And they pushed past her, and they spread across the house. They scoured the house, looking through his five bedrooms, <laughs> the dining room, the parlor. Oh, come on now. This is, we're talking about 1860-something. People had to be really – look, you, you're living huddled up with you and your eight kids in, in a, in a one-room situation, and you're going to come busting this black man's home, five bedrooms, uh, they ransacked his 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 room, his house. They looted. They stuffed items into their pockets, anything they can get. Um, and and the neighbors were looking, of course, through the blinds. Nobody tried to stop it. And then they were like, oh, "Well, I think there's trouble with the Hamiltons. Uh, so uh, who's gonna go down to help? Nope, no one, none of us. No, 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 no. We're gonna mind our business." And uh, which I thought was really crazy. And they, someone said, "You won't stand here and see a man murdered without going to help him." Said a neighbor. A neighbor asked in, in a break in the conversation, and the other neighbors didn't answer because people are inherently cowards. That's what a coward looks like. You know, you see something that's wrong, and you you mind your business, right? Because well, as long as it's not me, but guess what? One day it might be you. And I, I feel like too many of us don't realize that one day it could be you and nobody will be there for you. And I'm not saying that people should sacrifice their lives to help other people, but if it was a culture, if as a culture we all stood up when something was wrong, then people would know that they couldn't just come and do things because uh-uh that group right there they're not having it so there's already a pre-existing condition about nah, yeah this is probably not worth it probably not worth it I, I watched this show called vikings it's on the history channel and it's a very well done production i think it's in its sixth season um but in vikings the viking women fight Right. And um, there is a, a badass, the mother, the matriarch of the Vikings during this period of time. Her name is Lagatha and she is the best of all the shield maidens. And so she went to her last war. She lost her lover, uh, who was a priest. You got to watch this for yourself. But anyway, during the last war that she fought in, she got her ass whooped. Her, her lover got murdered. 
And so she, she was really almost mortally wounded. She was nursed back to health, but she made a decision that I, I'm tired, I'm not gonna fight anymore. I just wanna just retire, raise my grandbabies, farm, you know, build a community. So she built this community with the widows of all of the men that had lost in these wars and her grandchildren were there with her. And of course, because it was a community of women, some sorry ass, cowardly ass men decided that they were gonna pillage and rape. So they kept coming in and taking their stuff, taking their goats, and they were going like village to village trying to destroy. And Lagatha had to go and unbury her sword because she had literally buried her sword and get it up out of the ground, hatch a plan. And she said, next time these motherfuckers come through, we're going to be ready for them. So she is a, st- a, a tacticianer. She is a, a general, Lagatha was. And, and when they came riding in, marauding, she, she lured them into a trap, poured hot grease on them, burnt a few of them alive. She had them go through these mazes, was stabbing them. Because physically, women can't beat men because men are usually five times stronger. But she had a strategy. So the, the, the ringleader, who was, again, revenge, he was mad because Lagatha's son, Bjorn Ironside, whooped his ass and kicked him out of the, the, the village because he was a horrible person, was coming back to exact event, revenge, even though he was doing it against his mother. He's not even a strong enough or he's such a coward that he wouldn't confront Bjorn Ironside. He had to go after his mother. But Lagatha was ready. So they ended up fighting hand to hand. And of course, he's a big burly Viking whooping her ass. She has a shield. He literally whittles her shield down to nothing. And so she pretends like she's giving up. And like she's he's tired because anybody that boxes or fights, you know, it's just as tiring to swing as it is to get hit, even though you may rattle your brain. So she she lets him tire. She rope dopes him at the end. It looks like she's like, OK, take my head off as he goes to lift his sword. She boasts up with the torn down shield, stabs him right in the neck, picks up the sword, lops off his head. I mean, she whips his ass. The point I'm making is. I don't remember the point. There was such an exciting story that I lost my whole point. But what I'm saying is cowards die a thousand deaths. That at every point you got to stand up for what you believe in. And she saved her village. And that's the point that I'm making. Like one woman did not lay down. They didn't run. She, she hatched the plan. And I guess the point is to be strategic and to figure out a way out of the, the hatred that may come at you. The revenge that people may have that makes no sense. People being jealous of you, it makes no sense that folks would storm Hamilton's home for no other reason than that they were called to fight against an injustice and then they blamed the very people for whom this injustice was enacted upon. How crazy and sick is that? But that's the world we live in. And this is not unusual because it's happened time and time again and there are many, many stories, variations and iterations of the exact same thing. Jealousy had them in this man's home, smoking his cigars, drinking his liquor, looting his home. And they were waiting for him to come back so they could hang him. Why? Why? Anyway, so it blew over. Of course, the war happened. Hamilton was able to come back to his home and put his stuff back together. He ended up living to the age in his 70s because no one really knows what his age was because, you know, who kept those records of people who were uh, started life in bondage? Uh, but when he died, he was worth uh, nearly a million dollars during that time, and it made him the richest black man in the United States at the time that he died. So the moral of the story, 
Um, I don't know what it is, but I wanted to give you uh, kind of a hint of where we're going this year and beyond, that we're going to start to reclaim our history. We're going to start to tell different stories, uh, stories you've never heard, talking about people that you've never heard, to provide inspiration for the world that we need to create ourselves because there's a blueprint and there's been people before us that have survived far greater things, far more horrific things, and they were somehow able to uh, put things together and amass millions of dollars and have a life in the midst of something that none of us could imagine going through because we're not going through it right now. As bad as things look, it's not as bad as it's ever been. So I say all of that to say, uh, let's, let's pick up our mats and walk. Let's, let's stop using excuses for why we aren't getting the things done in our lives and in our community and our world that we need to get done and let's get busy and let's get to work. All right. Let me know what you think. Follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Also, we're going to be doing a live uh, book club on YouTube the last Sunday of the month. I think it's going to be the 4 or 5 o'clock. I'll make that decision and determination at the time. So just follow me on Twitter. I'll tweet out, hey, we're about to go live on, on my YouTube channel, which is at Karen Hunter Show. And we're going to talk about whatever book we're talking about. The first book is definitely going to be Carter G. Woodson's The Miseducation of the Negro. So I'm looking forward to you joining me on that. But on Twitter, let me know what you think. You can use the hashtag podcast so I can search for your comments. But let's have a conversation and let's uh, hold each other accountable, but also compel one another to, to, to go further in our education. You know, let's not just stop with what, what has been told to us. Let's follow some breadcrumbs and lead ourselves to a greater understanding of the world that we live in and one another. All right, I appreciate you listening. Share this podcast with as many people as you know. And uh, till next time.